Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, we dismissed it in our show last time because we thought it was a little too ridiculous. LaSalle was 0-7, couldn't shoot if their life depended on it. And then I heard that Pookie Powell wasn't going to be around. And I was like, man, if we thought this was going to be a bloodbath going in, it's definitely going to be a bloodbath now. But we did say... We joked around and said, oh, this could be a trap game. Ha ha. No one's going to expect it after like a long week off. And for a while, our worst fears, the biggest joke almost came true. Yeah, we almost played ourselves there. That was uh, a little too close for comfort, especially after a horrific first half defensively where it just seemed like every shot LaSalle was taking was going in, especially from beyond the arc. But they regrouped and rallied in the second half. So you can take the good with the bad there. And they won. So can't be. All, all that angry. Yeah, it was one of those where it was just kind of like, lick your wounds, deep sigh of relief. Yeah. And come back to fight another day. I don't know why they played so bad. Obviously, LaSalle was having a historic shooting night, really, especially in the first half. But I think we kind of undersold the long layoff. You know, I think something had to do with, you know, every time we go to LaSalle, it seems to be a little tough a game. And they certainly played like a desperate team that hasn't won on the year. And it gave Villanova fits, but... You know, able to rally and take it. Yeah, there are certainly plenty of conspiracy theories going around between the long layoff, the Advocare Invitational, and then the next game having that whole week off to Jay Wright doing a little favor for his former assistant in Ashley Howard, who's now the head coach at LaSalle. But however you want to view it or however you want to spin it, Novak went in there, took on the Pookie-less Explorers, pulled it out. Pulled it out in the second half. Sadiq Bay with the play and a half. Getting that and one from beyond the arc. Getting the three to drop with the foul. Converting on the free throw afterwards to give Nova the lead. And then from there, the Wildcats just kind of hung on for an 85-78 to win over LaSalle. The first big five win of the year. These LaSalle games just seem to get tougher and tougher as the years go on. And last Saturday was no exception. Eric Pascal with a game high at 27 points. Shot 9 of 17 on the floor. Phil Booth right behind him with 19 points. Colin Gillespie had 15 points. Was a perfect 8 for 8 from the free throw line. Overall, though, I thought it was a great day for Nova at the charity stripe. 19 for 23, converting on just over 80% of their takes. But for LaSalle, no Pookie Powell. I would have never guessed that we would have seen five different guys hit double figures. Tracy Carter, who we said, of course, we jinxed him. We Uh jinxed it, and Uh of course he comes in, 
has 17 points. He did not say his BBB, but he certainly played like it with 17 points, eight assists. Isaiah Deese came in and dropped bombs from long range. Five for seven from deep. David Beattie came in and almost had a triple-double at the rate he was going. 12 points, seven boards, six assists. Chris, this was not a pretty game. What were some things that stood out to you from this? What do you take away from a game like this? Is it just more of like a, man, we got through this? It wasn't pretty. Certainly there's some learning still to be done after looking pretty good at the Advocate Invitational. Are you upset with the fact how it went down? How do you view this game? I wouldn't say I'm upset. I think they played all right in the second half. I mean, the first half left a lot to be desired. But, you know, the fact that they cut down on the turnover significantly, only turning the ball all over 10 times uh, in this game and while forcing 15 is a pretty – that's a good start. And I think that was that was a big contributor to the second half rally. Big, big fan of the seniors, again, contributing when needed. Eric Pascal having a fantastic game. Phil Booth having a fantastic game. And for Booth, he only turned the ball over once, which is what we were harping on last week, that he really needed to cut down on those turnovers. And at least for one game, he certainly did. Also with Gillespie, maybe not the best day from the field, but from the free throw line, 8 of 8. That's exactly what you need. And you need someone to go up there and hit the free throws because, you know, in the Florida State game, especially towards the end, a lot of guys were missing him, and he was the one to make them. And in this game, he hit the, he hit the big free throws to you know, help propel Villanova to a win, also dropping five assists at the same time. Joe Cremo also with a nice little bounce-back game here. Only took three threes, but he hit two of them. And, but that's what he needs to do, especially with his defensive limitations. He needs to hit the shots from beyond the arc, and that's what he did. And Villanova needed those shots because it was just not looking good in the beginning. So it was good to see him finally come together on offense, at least for the time being. And he also had four assists as well. So I thought the ball movement was pretty good for the most part. Turnovers got cut down. And, you know, despite the defensive liability from beyond the arc, it felt that they were forcing turnovers, especially with these turning the ball over six times. But yeah, there's some bad, I guess. Obviously, the minute distribution is still out of whack. We only had the five starters with Pascal, DCR, Bay, Booth, and Gillespie with Cremo as just the six guys playing all 20-plus minutes. And then three other guys barely received – no one received more than five. Samuels had five, Swider had four, and Quinley had two. Swider actually, I thought, played all right in his limited minutes, but he had two turnovers and promptly got benched. Quinley played two minutes, and I don't know what he did wrong. I think he had the one foul, and then Jay yanked him. And then Samuels – was in there, took a three and missed, and didn't really do much else. Again, we keep harping on it. I, we want the minutes to be more distributed, evenly distributed, just for future factor, because you just know this team can get worn down pretty easily if you just roll with these six guys. And with the injury history, the booth, like you don't really want to run them into the ground early in the year. But I guess in a game like this, I guess you want to play your top guys who are especially playing well. So I don't have a big of a problem with it, but I mean, I would still like to see the freshmen play more, but whatever. Oh, yeah, no, I think Jay was going back to his little comfort zone, his little security blanket, and that's leaning more on the veterans, leaning more on the upperclassmen, leaning more on the seniors, especially when in the beginning, I didn't think the seniors played too well right out of the gate, right out of opening tip. I thought it was kind of a little bit of a slow start, especially Pascal. Senior leaders, of course, they they picked it up midway through, and as we saw, they finished with great games, great stat lines, especially looking at the box score. You look now, you see Pascal at 27 Booth right behind him with 19. I think Jay, once again, went you know a little to a fault. 
goes with experience over youth. And I think we saw that's what happened on Saturday. I think that's what led to Samuels only playing five minutes, Swider only having four, Quinterly only being out there for Booth or Pascal or Gillespie to have a swig of water and then come back out. It is a shame. It is a shame because I still believe in spreading the minutes out and having the same six guys go for 25 plus is just not great. No, it's it's not. It really isn't, but I mean, I, I get why he's doing it, like, because he wants to obviously want to win the game, but man, like, this early to be doing that, I, I don't know, but they won, and I guess if you want to roll with the hot hands at the time, I'm perfectly okay with that. Also, you know, get all credit to Sadiq Bey. He had a very quiet game, just yes. seven points, only had one free throw, but possibly the biggest free throw of the whole entire game. And hitting that three-point shot with the foul in the second half in order to give Nova the lead. And you saw that that really gave the Wildcats a lot of momentum. And they just flipped the switch and played very well coming down the stretch. Yeah, it felt like they really just needed one good run to just take control of the game. Because, I mean, obviously it was a lot of back and forth. LaSalle kind of separated themselves early on. But once Villanova creeped in, a lot of back and forth. But then, yeah, after that three by Bay on top of the end one it really propelled them and they obviously like you mentioned before they didn't relinquish the lead after that but Sadiq Bay he's finding himself in some pretty big positions so far I mean he had the big three against Florida State one of the lone threes that the team had hit in that game he also had the big bucket toward the end of that game as well so he's he's finding himself in some big positions and he's early on he's converting so I mean it's not like like we said like we want the freshman to play more but he himself is a freshman and he's doing he's playing big minutes and he's hitting big shots so i guess it kind of just goes back to the whole minute distribution thing so we're happy he's playing as a freshman he's hitting some big shots but again i'd like to see the other freshman play as well we'll just take it for what it is yeah and uh, you know i think last year when nova would kind of use the same six seven guys that was completely different level of talent that we were looking at especially with four of those players being drafted that was a different time that was also one of the highest performing college basketball teams ever. This time around, we don't have the same personnel. We don't have the same personnel that we can trust. The same five, six guys that can go the distance, 25 plus minutes a game. We need to spread it out more. I would have loved to see it. I get where Jay's coming from. He's done this in the past. He's shown it in the past, especially in tight games, especially with the way that this was going, kind of hoping your veterans can help you claw back into it, fight back into it. But we saw Sadiq Bay had the turning point of the game. And then from there, it just gave Nova that boost to keep it moving. I'm just happy that Nova got away with this because if we lost and gave LaSalle its first win of the season, that would have been depressing, especially considering how rough that first half went, giving up 42 points to the Explorers. Yeah, it would have been real rough, especially considering it would have been our, the first big, big five loss for Villanova and God knows how long. Just happy they escaped. Lick your wounds, move on to Temple. Hopefully you can beat down on the Owls at home. Yeah, is there a sense with this game where you you look at LaSalle and what they were doing statistically coming in? They were one of the worst offensive teams that we'd seen. They were also pretty subpar on defense, especially when it came to defending the three-point line. When you look at LaSalle, a winless team, and you saw what they were able to do to Nova, do you get a little worried when you see Temple, St. Joe's, Penn, the other three teams, which are statistically and on the year so far doing a lot better than the winless explorers. Do you get a little worried? More worried than in years past, yeah, but I think that's just more of us or more Villanova going the other way than it is the other teams going up. So 
Yeah, it's a little worrisome, more so than the past. But I, I think with the next two games, and I know home court hasn't meant a lot this year so far, especially with the losses to Michigan and Furman at the Pavilion. But I think this could have been a trap game if it was at Temple. Since they're at home, I think they'll be able to regroup. You just had the game against LaSalle. You learn from that. And I think they should be able to keep things steady against Temple coming in here. I do feel pretty confident in Nova. I'm not going to lie. I know it is a little scary. As you said, it hasn't really been a home court advantage. Nova hasn't won a game in almost a month at the Finn. The last time Nova won there, it was against Morgan State, which was obviously the season opener on November 6th. We know what happened after that. Michigan was the next game. That didn't go so well. Furman was a disaster. That didn't go so well. All the other games have either been neutral sites or in the case of Quinnipiac, it was at the Wells Fargo Center. Now we have Temple coming back. It's a new month. Welcome to December. I know that this Saturday game was not pretty, but I think it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, we just got through the Advocare Invitational. It does not magically get better from here. We still need to work at this, especially when you have a young team. I think that Temple will be a lot better of a showing this time around. Maybe I'm just being too positive. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I really do think Nova should take care of business tomorrow night when Temple comes to town. I'm on the same track as you. I think they should be able to clean it up. I will say that against LaSalle, it it still kind of looks off. Just the team in general, they still look a little bit off. But what is encouraging, though, is the decrease in turnovers, significant decrease in turnovers, only 10. So if we can continue going in the downward trajectory there, that's great. I'm all about cleaning up the offense. I think they'll be fine. Shiz Alston does provide a bit of a problem, even though he's kind of an inefficient scorer, only 36% from the field. I mean, Quentin Rose, probably more, a little bit more efficient, but, but he's also putting up the same points per game as Shiz is with uh, 17. And then also Nate Pierre-Lewis rounding out the three-headed monster for Temple. He's averaging 11 points a game. He's doing pretty well. And he's also a pretty good defender, apparently. I think they'll be fine. It's at home. It's a big five game against Temple. There are some things to watch out for. As you said, this is a three-headed monster. John Rothstein has been talking Temple for a little while recently. He complimented Alston, Rose, and Pierre Lewis and called them the best backcourt in the American. Hmm. Pierre Lewis was upset, thought he felt slighted when Rothstein didn't give him a shout-out as one of the best defenders in college basketball. Apparently he is. They'll get a great chance to show that against Nova tomorrow night. But overall, this team, as you said, it's a three-headed monster. It's kind of like a Hydra. You take one head off and the other is they'll be way more manageable. Now, we talked about the turnovers going down. One thing to watch out for with this Temple team is they are excellent at stealing the ball and generating turnovers. Right now, according to Ken Palm, they rank number one in steal rate, snatching the ball 13.4% of opponent possessions. That's a little worrisome, but it evens itself out in that the Owls have a horrible perimeter defense. So if Nova can take and make those threes, shoot them up sleep from the streets, and hopefully do less leaping and more making, it's going to be a good time for the Cats. Yeah, I did not realize that Temple had such a good uh, steal rate. First in the nation, really. Well, here's your first test for that. Let's see if, if the turnovers actually stay down and it wasn't just a fluke against the South team that isn't all that great. So, yeah, hopefully they're able to stay on the correct path with that. But they can continue to hit their threes like they kind of did against the South. And also... Temple is also bad at shooting threes. They are actually a tick under 30% from beyond the arc. So hopefully this isn't like a LaSalle situation where they just suddenly get hot and hit everything. Percentage would lead you to believe otherwise. So hopefully Temple doesn't hit their threes. Nova makes their threes. Nova keeps the turnovers down. And uh, we'll have a nice, easy win, hopefully, at the Pavilion. 
Yeah, and the other thing too with Temple's offense is they're they're a little more of a volume type of offense. Seems like you know they're just gonna hack it up and get some to drop. Originally, I first saw Temple back at the Legends Classic a few weeks ago in Brooklyn. They were playing VCU, and I thought they looked horrible, absolutely horrible. That game was just a snore fest. Temple was losing for a vast majority of it. Came back into the game and then just ultimately choked it away against VCU. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, is this really a D1 team or is this like a high school team? Because they look lost against VCU's quote-unquote Havoc 2.0. Now, Nova's defense hasn't been Havoc 2.0, but when I saw it, I remember thinking like, okay, if Nova lets this team shoot anywhere near 40%, I would be surprised. But that seemed to be an outlier since that's Temple's only loss of the season against the Rams. I think they're about to get their second loss. I really think Nova should have a much better bounce back game. I think the LaSalle game kind of woke them up a little bit. And it was that yearly reminder of just the Explorers just, I don't know what it's been over the last three years, but they have just flipped a whole new switch whenever they play Nova. And I think the Wildcats should take over this time. I don't think that they're going to have any hiccups this time around. Yeah, with your point to the uh, outlier game against VCU, that was Temple's lowest uh, offensive output on the year. I mean, they have beaten Georgia, California, Missouri, and they just came off a win against Saint jo- a seven-point win against St. Joe's. So they're winning their games. This isn't LaSalle. This is not your 0-7 LaSalle. They do seem to be a very volume-esque team. I mean, Shiz Olsen's the definition of a volume player. He's takes a lot of shots. He'll put up points, but it's going to take a lot of shots to get there. So like you said, I think you should hopefully hold them under 40% and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. If you look at Temple's team-wide effective field goal percentage, they're currently shooting a touch below 50%, which is bottom 200. It's not good. So, you know, you look at the individual numbers of what Alston and Rose are doing, 17 a game. That's impressive. Like, wow, that's pretty good. But then when you dive into the deeper metrics, they're not that efficient. They're just going to hack it up. So I think Nova has to be ready. Just be disciplined all 40 minutes. Take it to them. This is a three-headed monster. I do not think we're going to have any surprises. I don't think there's going to be a fourth guy that comes out of nowhere and just automatically has the game of his life. I don't think that's going to happen. Nova picked them to win in the beginning of the season in our preseason preview. And I think Nova should still win tomorrow night. Chris, are you changing anything or are you sticking with it? I'm sticking with it. If you can't make it to the game tomorrow night, this game will be on Fox Sports 1 tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. No ESPN. So no Zion Williamson mentions or any Duke stuff, unlike last Saturday. Always a plus. Always a plus. Mm -hmm. So before we pivot over to the women's side of things, we got to talk about these polls. Nova got bounced up a couple spots. They are now sitting pretty at 21. Furman, they're in the mix now. Welcome to the club. Sitting undefeated, 8-0. They beat Nova earlier in the year, and now they are finally in the top 25 for the first time in program history. They are rounding out at the caboose, taking that last spot. But overall, no real surprises. Nova's the only ranked Big East team, but we got a couple more receiving votes. Creighton, St. John's, Marquette. Marquette Yeah. Marquette had that big win. Creighton almost had that big win. Yeah, Marquette had a big win over Kansas State. And if you're looking for a team who has all the opportunity in the world to shoot up the rankings, right now it is Marquette. They got Wisconsin coming up at home. They have a four-game stretch at home, two of which are against pretty low opponents, non-con opponents. But the other two are against Wisconsin and Buffalo. So they have every opportunity, especially on a very good home court with a home court advantage, to take advantage of of these two games 
one in rivalry and one against a team that's mid-major that's come out of nowhere, especially after last year's win against Arizona with Buffalo. So look for them. If they can get on a run here, they can join Villanova in the ranks, assuming Villanova doesn't fall off. And then, yeah, Creighton had that almost had a big win against Gonzaga. They were winning for like good good chunk of that game, but uh, Gonzaga was just a little too too talented and overcame uh, overcame the deficit there in Creighton. Yeah, and I think at the rate of St. John's soft non-con schedule, if they continue to take care of business, which I think they should, and they'll probably be like what twelve, thirteen, and though they'll probably be in the conversation too in a few weeks once some of these other teams fall off. Yeah, I'm surprised St. John's didn't have good of a non-con schedule this year because they had Duke last year. I mean. I thought they played another couple of good games in there, but yeah, that was uh, weird. Yeah, they still have Duke, but that's not until February, and that's going to be on the road. But as for the rest of their non-con, it's just yeah. very lackluster. Yeah, it's awful, awful, awful. Who are they playing the tournament? They play California? Yeah, they played Cal and VCU for the title in Legends Classic. They're not great. Right. <laughs> How are they? <laughs> I mean, both teams gave St. John's a, a run for their money, but overall, though, both teams are just okay. California is worse than VCU. Right. I've, for sure. Yeah. I thought so. VCU is usually good, but all right. hopefully one team can finally crank, crack into the top 25, but might have to wait a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll be keeping an eye out for those polls, but also make sure you repeat Brendan's series quad goals where he dives in and looks at all our different wins and losses and the value and how the stuff is going to play out in March. It's going to be good. We're going to, we're going to be looking at it every week until pretty much the NCAA tournament. And especially now that the NCAA has had that net ranking system since last year for this year, I think it started up a couple weeks ago. So definitely worth your time to check it out because it's going to be coming at you every week. In the meantime, Let's talk about the ladies. They also started their Big Five campaign. First up was against St. Joe's. Chris, this game, the LaSalle game was was tough. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It was very rough. This game was also, just like the men's, pretty tough against a team that on paper probably should have dominated. But all credit to St. Joe's. It, this was just a defensive battle all throughout until Nova pulled it out with a 12-0 run to close out the last six minutes of the game. And St. Joe's just couldn't find the basket. They just couldn't. They just didn't know where it was. And so Nova was able to hang on to win 47 to 35. Adriana Hahn leading the way with 17 points, a game high. She was an efficient 7 for 12 on the floor. Pretty good night. Mary Gadeka had nine points, five boards, three assists. And then on St. Joe's side, you had Alyssa Monahan leading the Hawks with 16 points. Not so great of a shooting night, but no one seemed to really be having a good shooting night. Yeah, we may mention last week that St. Joe's was kind of offensively challenged. Did not think it was this bad, though. It was 35-point effort with one player basically scoring almost half your points. Not a lot of depth on that team, and it, uh, it certainly showed. But hey, they gave <laughs> run for their money, like you said, the entire game. Kept it close, kept it within striking distance. Especially at home, you can you can pull off an up type of upset like that. Especially if you hang around, but the twelve zero run by the Lady Cats was proved to be the difference. Nice to see them actually close out a game in the fourth quarter. As we were saying last week as well, they've been having trouble. Looks like they kind of corrected it now, so that's always a good sign. Yeah, they certainly stepped up when it mattered most in the fourth quarter because this was just a slugfest, and it didn't seem like either team was able to find a rhythm. I mean, outside of Adriana Hahn, this was just a poor shooting night for Nova. You put Hahn to the side, 
as a team. Nova shot just 10 for 34. Not pretty. But over on the St. Joe's side, you know, as bad as Nova was, that defense was just bulldog. Bulldog mentality right there. They held the Hawks to shooting just 27.7% overall. An ugly 18.8% from deep. So even though Nova wasn't, you know, by any means, wasn't having a great game shooting, they gave the Hawks an even harder time. And also, I thought the 15 turnovers they forced also helped them big time, especially when they cashed out and made 14 points out of those giveaways. Doing what you can on those extra possessions on on the turnovers usually proves to be a big difference and certainly did for Villanova in this game. And... Yeah, you need to win these type of games in which you're not going to shoot well. I mean, it's no secret. They, they like to shoot threes. It's pretty much their entire offense. And when they're not shooting threes well and they're just not shooting well, you're going to have to win these type of games or you got to lock down on defense and muck it up a little bit. And this was a perfect game to at least start with that. You're going to have to learn to win these games throughout the year. You're going to have these games where you don't shoot well. Why not do it against your big five rival on the road in a tight, tightly contested game? And hopefully it gives them the confidence going forward to be able to close out these games in an environment where you're not shooting well. Yeah, and I just want to give, you know, a shout-out to Grace Stant, the senior forward. She was not in the starting lineup to begin this year. She was coming off the bench, played her way recently into the starting five, and she made some big shots. She made the three to spark that 12-0 run to break the tie and put Nova ahead, and then she closed things out with the two free throws to ice it and finally put it away in the closing seconds. We're talking about patience. We're talking about you know, waiting for your time and all that. She came up when it mattered big. And Nova, as a team, wasn't pretty. But to step up in the fourth quarter, that's all that matters. Especially in a game like this. That was literally the decider in a game that was a couple baskets here and there. We could have been talking about a totally different game. Oh, for sure. and You're definitely right on that. Yeah, certainly a hard-earned win for the Lady Cats. They're going to resume action on Thursday night against GW at 7 p.m. So we're going to hold off our preview of the Colonials until then. So for now, thank you all for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Sorry, no mailbag today. Kind of have a short one. Chris has a meeting to go to. It's busy season, man. And I heard it's a little extended this year. What's up with that? I thought we were all free. You know, we could go back to being stress-free in the mornings, putting this stuff together. What's up? What's up with the work life? Yeah, today would have been the the deadline, but the deadline has now been extended because uh, the state kind of screwed up a little bit. So I don't want to bore anyone with the line of work I'm in, so I'll just leave it at that. It's uh, just a couple more weeks, and I should be back tomorrow. Chris is a criminal hunter, and he – you know cops? Yeah, that's Chris. Chris is on cops. Yeah, that's exactly what I (laughs) You know the guy who carries around the camera? Yeah, that's me. But yeah, one thing that no one knows is for the first two months of this show, it's it's pretty hectic. Chris yeah. has got his busy season. You got to cover so seventeen thousand different tournaments. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so nice. it's just uh, it's a pretty hectic time. But then once Chris is done with busy season and once he's free from the good old ball and chain, it's it's unleashed from there. It's unleashed. Yeah, back to normal, and I can actually, you know, focus on uh, some other games outside of just the one Villanova game I get to watch a week or two, if I'm lucky. Yeah, this next episode, though, no meeting on Thursday, right? So we should be back to full length. We should be back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back. So thanks again for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Podomatic. You have many, many options. 
check back at viewhoops.com. Like I said, you know, we got Brendan's series going on with quad goals. We got a bunch of other things coming up. We got some previews to go through. It's gonna be a good time. So check back, check often, and follow View Hoops on social media at View Hoops, and that's good for Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the pod at S O N N Pod, and that's only good for Twitter. We don't have an Instagram. We don't have Facebook. We don't have anything like that. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stanceman on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. Let's get another Big Five win tomorrow night. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.